You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Welcome, friends. Thanks for joining us on Wealth Tech on Deck. Each week, I speak with wealth and asset management, annuity, retirement, and fintech leaders about strategies they are working on to move their businesses and the, our industry forward. We often talk about innovations, disruptions, and trends around tools, capabilities, and platforms that are being developed to make comprehensive financial advice more readily available. Among the many firms working on these issues uh, is uh, J.P. Morgan, and clearly they are one of the leaders. Today, I'm very pleased to be speaking with Amanda Lott. Amanda is Executive Director of Wealth Planning Strategy at J.P. Morgan Private Bank. Amanda, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Thank you, Jack. It's great to be here. So, Amanda, you've been in the financial and wealth planning business for a while. You even have an advanced degree, I understand, in financial planning beyond your CFP. So please fill us in. What's your career been like? What you've been doing? So I'll take you back to my undergraduate degree because it's important. So I went to Texas Tech University. I originally was a math major, but really didn't want to be an actuarian. I loved numbers, though, and loved it. Everything had an answer. I switched to psychology because I loved understanding how people made decisions and also understanding where they are today and where they want to go and how we get them, building a, a plan for that. But I quickly realized I was going to be in school until I was in my 30s. And given that I was paying for a good portion of my higher education, I didn't feel like a very good ROI. So I was literally flipping through our course catalog over winter break, and I stumbled upon the personal financial planning program at Texas Tech, which lo and behold, it is the oldest personal financial planning program in the country and one of the most well-respected. And so I actually have an undergraduate degree in personal financial planning. And it was the perfect match of qualitative and quantitative, this blend of numbers and what's the right answer, but also understanding how people make decisions and getting them on a path from where they are now to where they want to go. That's great. So fill us in a little bit more in terms of uh, after you got your degree, you uh, know wound up in the RA world. You're at uh, J.P. Morgan Private Bank. So talk about that journey, if you will. Absolutely. So I graduated in the thick of the financial crisis. So December of 2008 and expanded my job search to countrywide. My dad had always encouraged me, move outside of Texas, Amanda. You can always come back. I'm a Texas native. Many of us stay in Texas. And so in January, in the middle of winter, I moved up to New Jersey, knowing no one to work at a local RIA there that did financial planning and investment management for individuals. I started as an entry-level analyst there, eventually worked my way up to equity partner, and also was a co-head of the firm's financial planning committee. Uh, During that time, I also got my master's in taxation, so glutton for punishment, but really helped me hone my skills on how do we understand the rules and then how do we apply them. But eventually, my husband and I, we started our own family and we recognized we wanted to be closer to our extended family. And so we moved back to Texas in 2016 and I joined J.P. Morgan in early 2017. So you were working from Texas. I always assumed you were in New York. I get that a lot, especially during COVID, where it's, it's hard to tell where people are are sitting. Sure. You get a glass of wine in me, though. You'll hear the twang come out, um, and I'll drop a couple of y'alls. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, so I joined, let's see, when I joined J.P. Morgan, I joined as a wealth strategist. That role at our firm is a credentialed financial planning expert, where we work alongside advisors and clients to help them articulate what are the jobs you need your money to do? And how do we 
align that to solutions across planning, investing, borrowing, banking, and get you where you want to go. Kind of a financial planning expert uh, working with the advisor and client. Absolutely. And what attracted me to that role, because previously I was an advisor, but what attracted me to this role with this opportunity to be able to help more people, because if you help 100 advisors who are serving, you know, 30 to 50 clients a piece, you know, the the end client they are able to impact was so much broader. So that was really attractive. And then fast forward a couple of years, or a few years rather, and the opportunity to move in more of a strategic role uh, presented itself. So that's the role that I'm in now, the head of wealth planning strategy, and really focusing on four key areas, advisor education, thought leadership, our platform and technology, and client engagement, and how we weave goals-based advice into all of those things. So I know we're going to get into that, but one of the things that's sort of interesting, we're Lifefield, we're obviously in the technology business. Uh, one of the things that we see is in order to render the kind of advice I know that you seek to render and that J.P. Morgan is working very diligently on, it requires all the things you just described. You got to educate the advisor and the client ultimately. You got to provide thought leadership about what's next and how to be ready for it. You do a lot of work around platform and technology. I'm sure we'll talk about that some more. And ultimately, it's around not only client engagement, because I know you do a whole bunch of that or assisting the advisor, but it's really around advisor engagement, getting them comfortable with the complexity that they have to deal with. So you describe that a little bit more, a little more in depth, because I know you do some really exciting work around those four key areas. So you're absolutely right. It's almost a three-legged stool. You need to have the technology. You need your advisors to be highly educated and confident in these concepts. And then you also need to have the thought leadership that advisors can use and also that you can go external with your clients to know this is how we think about things at J.P. Morgan Private Bank. And so when I think about some of the, the things that I'm working on now that I'm most excited about, they're related to those areas. So when we think about building our planning program to help educate our advisors. Uh, we launched that earlier this year. Launching our new strategic planning tool, Wealth Plan. So really enhancing our technology capabilities to deliver that seamless experience. And then finally, continue to innovate, particularly around this idea of tax efficiency. Those are the three things that I'm really focused on in my time now. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about that, what I refer to as the confluence of digital and human advice. It's really, you need a human being, you need someone to listen, understand what's going on, and also be able to pivot because things inevitably come up that no one really fully appreciated or understood. You also need technology to be well-wired, and, and I know you're doing a bunch of good work on that as well. And then just the ongoing training and, and bringing the advisor up to speed on all the, not only the innovations from a tech standpoint, but also just regulatory stuff and all the stuff that goes on that you need to be mindful of because it is complex stuff. So talk a little bit, if you would, about some of the work that you're doing now at J.P. Morgan. I know you have an academy underway. So why don't you talk a little bit more about how all that comes together? Perfect. Let's start with the advisor education piece first. So I guess a few years ago, well, taking a step back, J.P. Morgan Private Bank, one of the things that we are well known for is how much we pour into our advisors in terms of our training programs. We believe our people are our best asset, and we want to make sure that not only to attract and retain talent, we're providing them the best opportunities. Um, there's this underlying current in our culture around this constant pursuit of excellence. And we see that the people who are here and advisors, they want to continue growing. And so when we asked them a few years ago, what areas do you want to learn more about? Planning was top of the list. Advisors were hungry 
to learn more about planning. And so we said, well, how can we best address that? We thought, do we ask them all to go get an external credential, you know, the CFP, the CPWA? And there are a couple of hurdles with that, right? Those are significant time investments. And number two, and this is probably the bigger, the bigger one is, well, those certifications, they're wonderful. I have my CFB, have many friends who have also gotten their CPWA. So they're wonderful. What I think they're missing, at least from the JP Morgan private bank perspective, is the application to the types of clients and situations that our advisors are dealing with every single day. And so all of our training program, we emphasize the importance of the knowledge and the know-how. So sharing information, but really practicing the application through role plays, tough conversations, et cetera. And so given that framework, we built the planning program. And what the planning program is at J.P. Morgan Private Bank is it's five virtual courses on various planning topics. So behavioral finance, retirement, estate planning, family governance and philanthropy, and also business owners and execs. Those are all delivered virtually. And it's a combination of knowledge sharing and also small group discussions, role plays. And then and if an advisor goes to at least four of those, they earn the ability to come to a two-day in-person experience in New York. And what's cool about all of this is that the content was developed by our advice subject matter experts. So we have over 70 deep subject matter experts, people who are attorneys who practice in private practice, other CFPs, financial planners like us, and folks who advise private businesses or corporate executives, deep, deep subject matter experts. So not only did they create the content, but they actually deliver it. So they're the ones who are presenting it and serving as table host, which I think is a really unique experience for all the advisors who choose to attend. So uh, Amanda, pretty incredible program. One of the challenges with the CFP or any of the, the big designations, they try to cover the world and your clients are a very specific segment, very well defined segment in terms of who you're pursuing and what they need and so on and so forth. So talk a little bit about how long it took, because I know it sounds, sounds to me like you put a lot of time and effort, and I also know you had an incredible number of signups. So why don't you fill us in on what you did and what the results were? Sure. So we were building for, I say, over a year, you know, maybe even two. So the first year was really building out our digital library because we wanted to make sure that in addition to these virtual and in-person experiences, we had on-demand resources for advisors to be able to utilize. So that took about a year. We did that during the peak of COVID. And then after that, we started building out this planning workshop. So what do the virtual workshops look like? What is the in-person experience? That probably took another year or so. And I remember, I distinctly remember it was December. We were launching in January of 22. And I was sitting there, you know, I guess imposter syndrome flaring its ugly head thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to launch this program that I've been pouring my heart and soul into over the last 12 to 18 months. And only 40 people are going to sign up and I'm going to have a lot of crow to eat. And I remember <laughs> we launched in January and within a couple of weeks, we had over a thousand signups, Jack. It was wow. just... wow. Off the charts, we have 19 virtual workshops this year. All of them have waiting lists. So just incredible response from our advisor population. And, you know, just a quick anecdote about we survey our advisors and ask, what do you think? Tell us how we can get better. And over 90% of advisors would recommend it to their peers. And more importantly, 
when we asked them how helpful it was in their day-to-day job to be able to deliver excellent advice to clients, just tremendous response. So we're really pleased with how it's going and we look forward to making it even better. That's terrific. So this is the people and the training and the, I'm not sure if thought leadership fits here or elsewhere, but fill us in on some of the other things you're doing. Because I know that in addition to the mechanics of planning, there's also that technology thing and then the, perhaps the thought leadership thing is part of that. Why don't you fill me in on how all that comes together? Perfect. I think the biggest example is probably around how we're thinking about innovating in the tax efficiency space. And so really, I don't think it's contrarian to say that the next 10 to 15 years of returns are likely to be much lower than the last 10 to 15 years of Uh, returns. uh, You mean that trees don't grow to the sky? (laughs) They don't, Jack. Um, And so, you know, how do we help our clients squeeze every last drop of juice out of that orange, you know, get their portfolio running as efficiently as possible? And that's through tax efficiency. And one of the things about tax efficiency is, you know, in my view, it's much more easily achieved than alpha of, you know, in terms of investment alpha, I think ideally you can do both. And so you can amplify the two, but the focus that I have on tax efficiency, the innovation has really been on the asset location side. So getting the right types of investments in the right types of accounts. What's been so interesting working with ultra high net worth clients, I think historically they've underestimated the value that asset location can play in their balance sheet. So I have a $50 million portfolio. I have a $2 million IRA. You know, relatively speaking, the amount of dollars that I have in a tax deferred account is pretty small. So how much can asset location really do for me? But with the evolution of the annuity space and being able to offer a low cost option to be able to get more of your taxable dollars into a tax deferred environment, So you can shield the most tax inefficient things like high yield bonds and real estate and high turnover equity strategies really presents a tremendous opportunity for advisors to be able to deliver smart asset location advice to ultra clients. Now, one thing, if we go back to this advisor education about leadership and even technology, when you're thinking about how do we deliver that message to advisors and clients? We can't go from a product up approach. We can't say, here's the product we use for tax loss harvesting SMAs. And here's what we do for asset location. And here's what we do. That doesn't work. It needs to be a top-down message that's client-centric and also advisor-centric. Meaning, at J.P. Morgan Private Bank, we manage portfolios tax efficiently. And the way that we do that is through smart asset location, smart withdrawals, tax loss harvesting integrated planning techniques like funding a DAF with your highly appreciated securities, and even things like using a line of credit to bridge lumpy cash flows. And so it's one message around tax-efficient portfolio management and just talking about all the different ways that you do that. And then looking to technology, so rather than advisors having to piece together and build spreadsheets and spend hours upon hours to figure out where do we move if we make this trade in this account, what's the impact on this account and all of these different competing factors, the technology can really help not only deliver that more efficiently, but more consistently. And so that's where we're thinking about how do we have the technology to supplement the advisor experience? We're big believers. I know you are too, Jack, that 
technology. You can't have one or the other. It's about both. And so how do we build the technology to supplement the advice that our advisors are giving? So let me ask you about that. As you well know, that's you're singing our song, you're preaching to the choir. How do you how do you get advisors to adopt and embrace? Clearly, you've got the training underway. I know you have a whole bunch going on with thought leadership. You've also made acquisitions uh, that are public in terms of working with outside firms that, that were what not once part of J.P. Morgan that are now working with you. You're in conversations with many others, I'm sure. So the point of all that is that you're looking at different ways to bring this about, but ultimately you got to get an advisor to talk to a client. And when they're not so comfortable talking about something like asset location, because a lot of that, what you just described, I'm sure there are many advisors that may know one or two of those elements that they might suggest, but not all of them. So talk a little bit about how you get advisor adoption, you get them to implement, to get them to fully embrace all this complexity, because it is rather complex what you're describing. It's very complex. And so I think the technology obviously will play a big part of it. But at the end of the day, if the advisor isn't confident bringing that concept to a client, you know, they think they're going to get a question that they can't handle, it's not going to work. And so when we think about, okay, I'll take asset location as an example. How do we embed that into all of our training programs? So our new hire training, how we're embedding asset location as part of the investment management week. If we think about, you know, overall planning techniques that are tax efficient. We're incorporating that into our philanthropic virtual workshop. So it's all thinking about all of these places where we can add in the training so that advisors are hearing it from lots of different places. So I think it's number one, embedding it into your advisor education. The second piece is making sure the advisors don't feel like they have to go it alone. And so coming back to our advice organization at JP Morgan Private Bank, which is, I think is one of the things that makes us truly unique, you know, we have nearly 100 people in that organization and ready to not only help educate advisors on the back end, but go to client and prospect meetings with them. And so I think there's no better way to learn something than, you know, get pushed in the pool and learn with someone else who can teach you how to swim. And so I think being able to have really smart people and also a very collaborative culture where you know, the way we're set up at the private bank is we're compensated by salary and bonus. And so the idea that I could work with another advisor would be like, hey, can you go to this meeting? Or what would you do in this situation? That's not a threatening experience. It's we're all here to help each other do better. And I think that's also a part of it, too. So you've got the advisor education, embedding it there, the technology, and then the people to support that that progress along the way. So let me uh, see if I can summarize a little bit about what you've been talking about, which is pretty incredible because through this podcast, we have talked to roughly 70 people so far, people like yourself across the industry. You know you've heard a few of them. Some of them are your friends and mentors for that matter. Yes. What's interesting, what I find interesting about how we've evolved, because I think we're up to, it is about 70 podcasts that we've recorded so far, is what you just described is such, such a long way from our, our initial conversations, which were kind of hopes and maybe someday and we wish we could and we're trying to and so on. But now what I'm seeing is that you have, have it fully embedded in your training program. I'm sure it's part of your recruiting and, and training and development is part of those efforts as well. Uh, you're, you're way down the road on technology, all sorts of technologies. There's no one thing. There's really not only the individual elements or pieces, whether it's risk or tax or all the different ways that philanthropic efforts and so on. There, all that not only needs to be assimilated, integrated, but it needs to be coordinated. 
In other words, it needs to be developed in such a way that it can be used. That means that you need to develop a user experience, which you haven't talked much about, but I know that's underway as well, as user experience is more readily available. So it's really fascinating to listen to you talk about this because I would say, other than you've made a few bold moves as a company, JP Morgan, that is, in terms of some acquisitions, just got that, you know, turned some heads, but you're talking about the nits and grits of pulling stuff together to making it work. So am I capturing it right? What did I miss? Because it sounds like you're doing it all. There's a little, whole bunch of thought leadership going on too, to, in terms of what you're exposing to your advisors and clients. So did I capture it or did we miss anything? I think you captured it exactly right, Jack. But I want to be clear that we're not done. And what's exciting about this is how we know that we're going to continue to innovate. You know, we're playing an infinite game, as Simon Sinek would say. And what's exciting is JP Morgan, private bank, we're not the only players who are innovating, you know, all across the street and fintech. And I think that's exciting because ultimately who benefits from that? In consumers. And I think we're all in this pursuit of how do we enhance our platform, our offering technology to improve client outcomes, which to me and to my peers, we all believe that the industry is headed towards, it must be advice-driven, client-centric, and those will be table stakes. And we're all you know racing to see who can get there first. And I think we're going to help make each other better, which is really exciting. One other element that I know you agree, and that's tech-enabled. Yes. <laughs> so one of the big projects that we're working on, uh, JP Morgan as a whole, we announced it at Investor Day earlier this year, Wealth Plan. So building a new strategic planning tool that is interactive, can be client-led or advisor-led. We're using it across lines of business. So in U.S. Wealth Management, which is where our Chase and JP Morgan Advisor businesses sit, as well as the U.S. private bank. So we're both riding the same chassis. The U.S. private bank will have different features because the clients and advisors that we work with have different needs. But the spirit of the tool is the same, is that we want everything that we bring to clients should be anchored in what they need their money to do. And so the first place you need to start in any client relationship is what are you trying to accomplish? Because if you're trying to accomplish, you know, without knowing where you want to go, I have no idea what tools to tell you to help you get there. And so anchoring in this, what are client outcomes that they're trying to achieve? And then we have the, one of the best platforms, if not the best on the street. I know I'm biased, but we can do anything. Sure, sure. But really looking at products as a fulfillment vehicle of those client goals and outcomes. And so when we think about technology, the private bank version of Wealth Plan will be heavily advisor driven at first. But I think the biggest part that we're most excited about is historically, and this was true at my previous firms as well, anytime you built a plan, it was kind of in a silo. Didn't talk to anything else that didn't it talk to your investment proposal, it didn't talk to your performance review software. And so you know, at some level, it feels a bit disingenuous to say we take a, a goals-based client-centric approach, but yet that is not woven into every piece of the client experience, every touch point along that life cycle. And so when we think about our, our vision for wealth plan, what we're building is it's not a one and done plan. You build your plan that should drive what investments you're selecting to get you where you want to go. It should be goal aligned. And then when we're telling you, how are you doing? 
all of that should be in context of, are you on track or not? And then that should set the tone for, well, do we need to make adjustments? And so I think embedding it and integrating all of that technology, when I talk to advisors all across the country, that's what they're most excited about. I'm excited about some of the bells and whistles of the planning tool, but I think what's really going to drive adoption and what folks are pumped about is the integration, that end-to-end experience, embedding it everywhere you would, you know, along the way in the client journey and making it more efficient. I don't have to rekey information. I've got a pulse. Anytime I want to look, how is the client doing? I use technology to surface to the advisor. Hey, you need to look at the Smith family. It looks like they're off track. Or, hey, why don't you look at the Smith family? They have a charitable giving goal. They don't have a donor advised fund. And it looks like they're retiring this year and have a high income year. So being able to use technology to complement the advisor, which also ultimately impacts and drives a a higher client experience. And one of the things I I mentioned it earlier, and I know you agree with this, and it may sound like I'm splitting hairs in terms of this definition, but it's one thing to integrate. It's another thing to coordinate. Because what you just described is a really coordinated ecosystem where there's an opportunity, the next best thing to do, given the client's reality, given their circumstances, given where they are in their journey, just as you described, someone close to retirement, big income year, you know, donor advised funds, whatever the suggestion, that would only come up if the plan was aware in the way you're describing. And then in, in terms of what to do next to take advantage of that, I'm assuming that's very much part of what you're putting together. Absolutely. And I think you know, integrating planning, investing, borrowing, all of these different things with historically, you know, have been fairly siloed. I'll give you another perfect example, because it not only comes through technology, but even advisor education and thought leadership. So fast forward to earlier this year, when interest rates are rising, and we're hearing from our mortgage and lending experts, this is how clients should be thinking about lending in a rising rate environment. We're hearing from our planning experts. Here's the considerations for estate planning techniques in a rising rate environment. And we're hearing from our investment colleagues. Here's how you need to think about portfolio in a rising rate environment. And so one option, and probably the option that we would have taken even just a few years ago, was that's three thought leadership pieces. That's three segments on a firm-wide morning meeting to talk about each of those in isolation, when in fact... From a client perspective and an advisor standpoint, it's one issue. It's one question. It's what do you need to do in your financial life in a rising rate environment? Here's how you should be thinking about your portfolio, your estate planning, and your lending. And so being able to swing from topic to topic based on one overarching theme, that's the direction that the industry is headed. Being able to help advisors have that cohesive conversation based on one theme or client issue is critical and ultimately drives better client outcomes. Well, Amanda, we've only just gotten to know each other and I've heard great things about you, but you exceeded those expectations I had. I expected a lot, but you've exceeded those. So thank you for this. This has been a fascinating conversation. Uh, I think uh, JP Morgan is in great hands with the kind of leadership you've just shared. So uh, thanks for being on our, our program. And as uh, as you know, there are three key takeaways that we ask our guests around now. So what are the three key takeaways you'd like to share with our audience before as we look to wrap up our conversation? Absolutely. And my three takeaways are around advisor education, tax efficiency, and integrated technology. On advisor education, it's important to have deep subject matter experts. Yes, that's great. 
But what we really need to make sure is that there's a baseline planning knowledge for all advisors so that they're able to deliver a consistent, scalable, and ultimately add value because that's the where the industry is headed. On the tax efficiency side, it's going to be a more challenging investment return environment going forward. And so helping our clients think about that cohesive, tax-efficient portfolio management narrative and how they can do that through asset location, tax loss harvesting, integrated planning techniques, that's going to be key. And then finally, having integrated technology to supplement the advisor. It's never going to replace the advisor, but it's got to complement them, allowing you to be them, allowing them to be more efficient, more effective, you know, giving smart nudges, talking to other applications. But to do all of that, you need to make sure that all of your technology is anchored in the client goals. What is the client trying to achieve? Because you could have clients who have two very similar makeups, but if their goals are different, their desired outcomes are different, they probably should have different advice. So those would be the three. Advisor education, tax efficiency, and integrated technology. Those are going to be table stakes for us to survive in the next decade or so. Sounds like uh, J.P. Morgan is in, in a good place. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's the future. So it's been a real pleasure, Amanda. This has been a lot of fun. I've learned a bunch, which I get to talk to some of the smartest people in our industry. And this is uh, right up there in terms of what I've learned. So I appreciate that. And as we do on each of our podcasts, my favorite question as we close is, what's something you do outside of work that you're excited or passionate about that people who know you might find from work might find uh, interesting or surprising? So I mentioned we moved back to Texas in 2016 when we started having kids. So we have two children, a seven-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. And they, my family is my world. Um, they are my why. And so I think, you know, it's probably a pretty basic answer, but I really love spending time with my kids. And the things that I love doing with them are, we love to go on bike rides and we go to festivals. So we're going to the Texas State Fair soon. We're all things fried. I can't wait to do that. We're going to the <laughs> Apple Festival in Weston, Missouri in October. So I'm excited to take them there. And we eat a lot of Mexican food. So uh, anything that I'm doing with my kids, that's where my I find my greatest joy. So pretty simple. Yeah, as it should be. That's wonderful. For our audience, if you have enjoyed the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and or share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Amanda, thank you. This has been a real pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. So uh, until next time, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com. <laughs>